Welcome to Functional Design Enclosure. I'm Christoph Newman. And I am Nate Jones. We're here to help you use closure and functional programming to make your everyday life as a developer less frustrating and more fulfilling. We're here to answer your questions about closure and functional programming, as well as ruminate on a bunch of different topics. So what's on your mind? Is there anything that's causing you to get stuck? Or maybe you're running into the same problem again and again? Or is there a new area that you'd like us to explore so that you can go come along with us? Uh, please reach out. Yes, if that feels like something that you could relate to, if you're listening to that going, oh man, I want to talk about this thing. I want to talk about monads, or maybe not monads. <laughs> uh, reach out to us at Twitter, on Twitter, at Closure Design, or send us an email, feedback at closuredesign.club, or come hop on into our Clojurian Slack channel, which is Closure Design podcast, and come chat with us there. Congratulations, Christoph. I think that's the most subtle and early pun I've ever heard. um so uh yeah so this week we're gonna dive into another topic um it's something that's caused a lot of questions um and that the answer is (laughs) parentheses 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 you know parentheses 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 i feel like i need to run around a stage right now (laughs) you're not nearly sweaty enough uh. <laughs> oh well, uh, how how do, how do you know that? <laughs> this is audio, man. <laughs> I'm I'm converting my visual cues into audio information. <laughs> what does sweaty sound like? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but but the parentheses are something that that a lot of people uh, when they look at closure, you know, the the parentheses kind of jump out and 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 people go, oh. Why are there so many parentheses in closure? Why, why are they just they're just falling? You look at the end of the function, and there's like fifteen of them all grouped together there. You know, all standing in a line, ready to close your scope. It's like little dust bunnies in the corner. You know, they just sort of just all these little bits of dust have just stacked up over time, and and you, and you pull the couch out, and then oh. Oh, there they are. It's it's like a cubic foot of parentheses right there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> meters and meters and, and pounds of, of parentheses that, that are just hanging around. That at least they're not like cockroaches where you like they scatter. You know, they all they all sit there orderly. Yes. You know, waiting <laughs> waiting for you to 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 organize them. Right. But uh, I was thinking, you stare, you stare at closure code, and you see parentheses, and they stare back. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, you know, in cartoons, how they put those little uh, parentheses-looking things around somebody's eyes when they're like worried or they have big eyes. <laughs> or exa- closure has big eyes. It's it's staring at you. <laughs> Can you handle it? <laughs> it's a staring contest. Yes. But I, but I think I think it's 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 slightly undeserved criticism because um, <clears throat> almost every other language. Well, let's just set Python to the side, and maybe a couple other yes. smaller ones like a- Haskell. And Haskell, <laughs> um, they have just as many parentheses for for almost all their operations. I mean, it's pretty easy to say that you know it's just to see that you're you're moving the parentheses from after the function name to before the function name. Well, yeah, basically in Python and Haskell. It still has the same net effect of parentheses, but it's inferred by white space, right? Like white space 
and indentation are your your mechanisms so that you can somehow escape the venerable parenthesis. <laughs> so so Python just has ghost parentheses. They're right. They, they're there, but you can't see them or delete yes. them. Yes. Uh, and, and they're working behind the scenes, but what are they doing? <laughs> you lift the couch yeah. up and try to look for those parentheses bunnies and they're not there, but you're like, I felt them there. I felt their presence. <laughs> Something was watching me. And, and so it the thing the thing that kind of frustrates me a little bit about the parentheses conversation is is there's this implicit assumption that the parentheses maybe don't serve a a good purpose, right? Like somehow somehow this this language got stuck with this weird artifact and you just can't get rid of it. You know, it's it's like the semicolon in JavaScript. You know, uh, they they added white space inference for you know statements, and but man, you know, you still got to use that semicolon every now and again, and it's it's like this wart on the language that comes from its lineage. But but I think the parentheses is greatly misunderstood because oh, the totally fact agree. that parentheses, the way they're used in Lisp and therefore closure actually is a great simplifying mechanism um, that you you learn to love, I think, the longer you run down this road. Yeah, and, I, and I, one of the things I was thinking about as I was thinking about preparing for this episode was, I was like, why 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 were parentheses used for, for the purpose that they are used for instead of some other symbol, like the pound sign or an ampersand or, you know, a period, you know? I mean, there, there's, there's plenty of other punctuation on the keyboard, but but why was parentheses used? Um, and, and one of the reasons why I can I can think is that there's like a natural balance to it. When you open up, when you write an open parenthesis, you know that at some point in time you need to have the closing the, the the matching side. And if you open two, you need to have two closing ones. It's like they they naturally push you towards keeping that balance, and 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 so it also lends itself really well towards nesting of data, nesting of functions. That makes sense, right? Yeah, definitely. So, so the parenthesis in and of itself is a cue that that you are entering into something that you're going to come out of. You know, so when we use parentheticals in 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 English in in language, <laughs> right? We're taking a little a side trip that will have an end. <laughs> now, some people's parentheticals, the end is much further than others. <laughs> Was that a parenthetical? I think it was. Well, this is a parenthetical right now. <laughs> <laughs> then you got parenthetical on the parenthetical. Yeah, yes. I, I like to think that as you're as you're you're descending into the program, you're kind of there's there's circles, you know, there, and the circles are mimicked by the shape of the parenthesis, and so you've got to have the you got the other side of the circle, otherwise you haven't quite come back up out of the the hole that you dug yourself. <laughs> Right. And I think indentation serves as a, a similar purpose for us, right? Like closure doesn't just have parentheses. We use indentation. It doesn't need the indentation, but we still use the indentation uh, to help us understand that we're like inside of something. We're nested. We're, we're at a deeper depth, right? Just like in other languages. But the, the beautiful thing is really parentheses make the grammar of the language incredibly simple, right? Yeah. 
It, yeah. If you're looking, if l- imagine for those of you who have had the uh, joy and sorrow of a computer science <laughs> education, <laughs> and maybe you took the uh, systems track or the traditional track or whatever they called it at your school, where you ha- you got to write a compiler, and so you got to you got to make your own compiler. Uh, boy, I remember going through that and the whole if then else, you know, parsing that. And, and dealing with that grammar and ambiguous grammars and parsing ambiguous grammars and sort of all the kind of pain and suffering that came from that. Um, obviously, we have things like Instaparse and we have backtracking um, grammar parsers and all this stuff these days, right? But even still, ambiguous grammar isn't just a, a technical problem, but it also, like, as a, as a developer ambiguous grammar just starts to sort of rear its head in a lot of different places. And so closure, it it's so simple, right? Like there is no misinterpretation of what is the expression, right? The expression will start with a parenthesis, it will end with a parenthesis, and there'll be stuff in the middle. <laughs> there might be other right. expressions in the middle, but but you you know you know where you're at. Yeah, and I, and I think that's the trick to to trying to understand closure is is just getting used to knowing that where, where you are in that stack, um, because it, it it is possible to get lost. I think one of the ways that I've really been able to avoid that problem is that I use editor. My editor helps me whenever I start a parenthesis; it, it, it makes the matching close one, um, and and. And and there, there's tooling around making it so that the the parentheses remain balanced, um, because there has been a few times where I've gotten to the point where they're not balanced, and then it does really um, cause a lot of problems. Um, but but if you avoid that, then the, basically the rest of the language there's no ambiguity around any of the other parsing that you have to deal with. Um, in fact, there's right. no like operator precedence. Um, you know, right. Now, even, there's even just fewer rules need. to learn, right? So, so ambiguity, like for example, operator precedence is ambiguity that is resolved through a set of rules that you need to know a priori before you read the code, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even left to right precedence or right to left precedence is still there's ambiguity. You you have all these symbols with these things, and so now you need to know. So so people who are are new programmers. It's, it's an extra step that they have to go through in order to just do basic functioning things. Now, people are clever and they make it follow the same rules as math for the most part. But then <laughs> right. you see these other weird operators like tilde and you're like, well, w- what the heck is that? I've never seen that in math or at least not in normal math. <laughs> and so... So the ambiguity has a really interesting consequence on learning. It has interesting consequence on everyday reading. But it also has an interesting consequence on tooling. Unambiguous grammars are much easier to write tools for. It's much easier to write plugins for your editor that help you do super cool things. Um, a static analysis, things like that. It's just easier, right? It lowers that bar and it makes it uh, simpler for more people to be able to jump in and contribute with that. And right. I think one of the biggest examples is structural editing. Right, structural editing because the grammar is unambiguous. That unlocks this super cool thing called structural editing, which if you haven't yet experienced this enclosure, 
oh, you're missing out, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's there, there, there's like the whole like I want to match parentheses um, tooling. But then structural editing is kind of a way of you're basically editing your – because Clojure is written its own data structure, then you can use data structure like um, operations on it. Like, you know um, – push this thing or you know take take this function and and take all the things that are inside and explode it out and you know basically unnest it you know that or take this bit and nest it or take this and and increase it um a slurp and barf you know i don't know if uh there's right a, a long Absorb legacy. the next symbol inside my current set of parentheses take the last symbol in my current set of parentheses and eject it you know that's slurp and barf or like re or reordering. Take my current form and move it below the next form. Or take uh, my current form and move it above the previous form. Right. right. So so you and have these you... keystrokes in Emacs and Vim and other editors that support structural editing that let you take these logical units of the language, these forms, and and manipulate them very rapidly. Um, because of this clear syntax that doesn't have ambiguity, right? It's very uniform, it's very simple, and it's very unambiguous. Yeah, definitely. And it, 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 works, it works much better than any line-wise or um, other kind of editor, the, the, the other tricks that you use in your editor because it's aware of those nestings. Um, and it's funny because I remember when I first learned about structural editing and, and slurping and barfing and being like, when would I ever use that? Like, I, I just, I, I couldn't think of a time. Um, but with a, with a very, like a relatively small set of, of, um, primitives, like you said, reorder, slurp, barf, you know, promote, which is basically take the form that you have and replace the parent form with it. Um, all these things, yeah. like there's, it's, it's, it's a pretty small like set of app actions, but you can do almost any edit that you want to do as a, as a combination of those. So it's very uh, composable. Um, yeah, it's very rapid. It's composable, and and also you end up using it because what what is going to happen is so clear because there's this lack of ambiguity. Yep. Right. Yep. So you know when I do this, like there is. This form, when I promote it, it's going to replace the form of the parent. So I use that a lot when I'm taking something out of an if statement, let's say. Like I realized, oh, there really isn't a condition needed here anymore. So I'm taking basically the body, you know, and I'm promoting it up. Um, and so you know exactly what it's going to replace because because it's so clear. Yeah, or the other say other going the other way is if I have a a, a statement or a, you know a function call and I'm, I'm like oh I want to introduce a let around this. There's a keystroke for basically you know wrap this in a parenthesis and and put me at the beginning so I can start typing let like instead of having to go all the way to the end and then to, to back to the beginning. And um, I, I remember a, a while ago um, going from our uh, one of the projects we had that had a closure backend but the front end was in JavaScript. And I'd done a bunch of work on the back end to, to, to expose some feature. And then I went to the front end and I was so much slower because I couldn't do the same kind of operations. I had to do a lot more movement around my editor to, 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 to do similar con similar ideas, like, like moving something, you know, expanding it to take over the whole function or adding, wrapping it in an if, you know, there's a whole lot more, you know, 
extra work I had to do to because because the ambiguity of the syntax. Right. Go go um, soak your hands in cold water for a while, and then come back and do a lot of typing, and you just feel like your fingers just don't want to move and and do your bidding, you know. <laughs> and so you're editing that JavaScript oh, code. And you and you have all this muscle memory, like, oh, I want to promote this out. I want to slurp this in. I want to move this down. And and it's like, oh, I can't do that. <laughs> Your mind. So it just feels so mechanical and so like spade work. <laughs> well, it, it's really weird because the way the the human mind works, like it starts to operate at the level of uh, of its of its primitives, and so like if I can promote something like that's not, I, my mind doesn't think, okay, take this form and promote it. It thinks, you know, remove the, remove the, it, it. It's, it's more like what I want to accomplish. And this, there's only one step to that, but in, in JavaScript or in, in Go or the other languages that I've worked in, it's like, oh, I got to do eight steps to get to the point where my mind, the, the, the task my mind wanted to accomplish is now done. And so, yeah, yeah. it's just a lot more times around the it's horn. It's less direct. So it's less efficient, less direct. And but this this principle of clarity as opposed to ambiguity also comes into play um, when in macros, right? So mm-hmm. so languages like it's the macro system in Clojure and Lisp is very straightforward because the statements are very simple. And so when, basically a macro, what what you're doing is you're just taking the syntax itself as a data structure and you're manipulating that to create new syntax that does the thing you want it to do, right? So you're just treating yeah. the syntax as data and you do a transform to go from syntax to syntax. And, and now the compiler will then take, well, the interpreter really, will take that and, and execute the resulting syntax. But because it's unambiguous, um, it's a very straightforward process to do that transformation. You you don't have a lot of kinds of things like oh well I have a block here, oh I have I have a keyword here, oh I have a boolean expression here, oh I have um, uh, a a calling a function without parentheses context here, oh I have a calling <laughs> a function with parentheses context there. Oh, I have a operator precedence structure here uh, that I have to watch out for, right? So there aren't all these different kinds of expressions that all have their own rules. You you have one kind of expression with with a very consistent, simple set of rules. So making macros is a straightforward process instead of a very very tricky process. Yeah, I, I've only written a few a few macros uh, over the course of my closure time, and and it is not something that is like at, at least w- when I was experiencing it, it's not something that's incredibly straightforward. But but I was able to accomplish it by reading other macros and that kind of stuff. But I don't re- I didn't realize like how simple it was compared to what it could have been. You know what I mean? Like something feels yeah. hard uh, unless you compare it against something that's ten times harder. You know. I remember when there was a lot of discussion back when I was still using Scala in a real serious way. At that time, there's a lot of discussion about adding in macros to Scala. And, mm, and do you wow. really need to do that because you have implicits and on and on and on. But <laughs> the the difficulty of adding a macro language into Scala because the, the complexity of the language itself, right, engendered much, much discussion <laughs> and much thought and, and much what about this and what about that and what about that and what about that, right? 
And and oh, so wow. this all comes from this kind of fundamental property of of ambiguity in the grammar, right? And and um and variation and complexity in the grammar, or or just even I would say not even just ambiguous stuff that has to be resolved, but just having a lot of different kinds of terms, having a lot of different kinds of expressions that can all coexist with each other, that all have to be like recognized and parsed in their own special way instead of a uniform way. And so then the macro would have to be able to handle all those different things that you hand to it. Like, you know, in, in, in closure, a lot of time the macro just takes body, which it knows is just a list of things that it's going to execute, you know, and, and, but in, in Scala, it could be, like you said, it could be all kinds of different things that it hands in there. And so it has to handle all those cases individually. Yeah. And so you therefore have to have a lot of way of expressing those cases if you want to be able to use your macro in all, uh, in all these different places. So it just, it ends up exploding the complexity of the language and then therefore the tooling. So now a, a poor tool creator who wants to help you <laughs> get work done <laughs> Uh, now, um, now they have to deal with the complexity of the grammar too, right? And that's more obstacles to people making tools to help you get work done. Yeah. And it definitely is one of the things that has really contributed to the stability of closure of the language is because it is a lisp and so much expressivity is baked in with those macros. Yeah. And so I think if parentheses are... you are kind of a hang up for you because I, I still get irritated with uh, the, the, the places where I have six parentheses, like all, all at the end of a function. Sometimes it's like this visual noise. Uh, something that's helped me is changing my text editor theme to use a theme that like makes parentheses, not be big, bright, bold, uh, things that that need it's like hey programmer there's Look a parenthesis here you need to be wary of right because you're <laughs> you're grouping something that maybe otherwise isn't just following the normal uh 15 rules of precedence that you know off the top of your head right uh so i i have a theme now that that takes parentheses and it makes them kind of gray and they sort of recede back so i can focus on on the content but the I, I still can see them well enough that that it's it's really clear to me what what the nesting is, what's what's gonna happen right in that code. Yeah, I, I it's funny, I, I, I've taken a kind of it's a, a different approach, which is I use something called rainbow parentheses. So at the end of my function is a little like color cascade. Um, and I guess it doesn't, hasn't bothered me as much. Uh, the, the, the colors there, um, I kind of have developed parentheses blindness. Um, but, but I think one thing that comes to mind is if, if you have a closure function at the end of which is 15 par- closed parentheses, then I think there's probably some, <laughs> some room for refactoring. Um, Sounds like experience <laughs> speaking. <laughs> I, I can't imagine who's written code like that. Um, I don't know who you're talking about, Nate. <laughs> oh, me, 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 all the time. Too many. Yeah, you're probably, it's one of the ways, parentheses, at least for me, are one of the ways that, that Lisp uh, gently encourages you to be a little bit more concise, right? Right. More small <laughs> things instead of fewer large things. 
Um, just the way nesting is, you know, with in, indentation and nesting and parentheses, it, it's like a, a it's like a gentle force that's it's like the dripping faucet that's trying to motivate you to action. You know, come yeah, come come do something here. <laughs> and, and, it, and it's one of the things that's really that I like about closure in general, and specifically about parentheses too, is that it kind of gently encourages you towards like the way that is a good way to program, you know, with the whole, you know, the immutable data and the, the um, parentheses and just everything being a function and, and it just all those things kind of gently push you towards a, a programming style that is, is not only easy to write, but it's also relatively easy to read um, for the most part. <laughs> I guess you can make bad, yeah. <laughs> bad looking closure, like just like you could write bad looking anything, but, um, but the language does, like you said, encourage you towards, you know, and, and and I always like to think of parentheses as 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 their, their hugs. Their their hug. Your closure <laughs> is hugging your program. It's the hugs your program needs. <laughs> it's the hugs your program needs. Oh yes, this is a lovely expression right here. <laughs> Peace, love, parentheses. <laughs> nice. Well, and then I have to say that we're um, such fans of parentheses. We put them in our logo. <laughs> <laughs> So how could we not do an episode about parentheses <laughs> if we put them in our logo? So uh, maybe next week a Lambda? <laughs> I have to admit I don't type Lambda very much in closure. <laughs> no, definitely me neither. Yeah, so if you have some thoughts about parentheses and your love or um, hatred of them, we would love to hear from you. Uh, you, tell us, tell us your parentheses experience. Tell us about your parenthetical hugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely cool. And uh, send us anything, else, any other questions that you have, or things you want us to talk about with exclamation points. Um, f- please uh, feel free to send us a tweet at Closure Design or an email to feedback at closuredesign.club. Uh, or hop into our Closure Design Dash podcast channel on the Closure and Slack, and ask us a question there. There, or use some print, some exclamation points. <laughs> yes, if you are appreciating our now now noun series, <laughs> come tell us about it. Or if uh, you're disappointed because it's too much of the kingdom of the nouns, <laughs> well, come tell oh. us about that too. <laughs> yes, Google Kingdom of the Nouns if you have not yet read that excellent paper. <laughs> So, yes. yes, go to closuredesign.club and you can see all of the things for the podcast there too. Show notes, past episodes, other ruminations, and um, and check them out. Uh, all right. Um, next week, we will be back with another edition uh, of uh, Nowntober, um, our journey through interesting nouns in the closure universe. And uh, with that, we will close our, our parenthesis on this episode. Uh, so thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>